Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 40, titled Persecution Will Come. Today's a tough topic because it captures what could potentially happen in the world as a consequence of following Jesus. However, in my case, and a lot of the listeners' cases, we are very fortunate to live in the USA where we can worship Christ freely. There are places in the world where that's not the case. Nonetheless, let's dive into Scripture However, today is a little bit on the longer side, on the verses, so the content's pretty straightforward. However, the the verse section is kind of long, so bear with me. We'll get through the verses, and then we'll we'll touch on a couple commentaries, and we'll call it a day. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 through 25 says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. So bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Excuse me, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you will speak or what you will say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Children will raise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of the household? So just some kind of key takeaways for me personally when I read through that, that stood stood out to me that maybe we could apply to this time in history. Number one, six short things. Number one, being a Christian could create vulnerability. And again, that's not the case in the United States, but that's definitely the case in other places, like mission trips, for example. That can sometimes be a dangerous endeavor. So we need to be careful if if we're in a situation like that, right? It's no joke trying to spread the gospel. There are places where Christianity is just straight up oppressed, and thank the Lord it's not in the U.S. Number two, We must be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. We'll go over a commentary that talks about that, so we'll we'll leave it at that for now. Number three, being a Christian could cause persecution. There will come a time eventually, given biblical prophecy, that there's going to be Christian persecution. It's going to be called the tribulation. Now, to what extent, where, what countries involved, nobody knows. We just have to sit here and pray. Let's pray, though. Let's let's pray that the Lord puts a hedge around the United States and that we remain primarily Christian and hopefully can be a safe haven for the tribulation in the future. Number four, there's no need to worry, truly. Truly. If we die... If we are persecuted, if we are flogged, whatever the case may be, which all the disciples were, Paul was stoned, flogged, punished, thrown in jail, in prison. Peter was thrown in prison. It was just a goat rope. Just read the book of Acts. Skim through it. It's just constant troubles for the apostles. There's In lieu of any potential trouble that we may have, there's just no need to worry. 
there's no need to worry. For one, anything that happens in our life has to pass through the hands and the will of our Lord and Savior. It can't happen unless it passes through His hands. And if it does pass through His hands, the reason for that is to bring Him honor and glory. So that's our job. Let's just roll with it, okay? Number five, if persecution comes, we must endure till the end. So Jesus says right in there, it's the one who endures to the end that will be saved. So if we don't endure till the end, what does that mean? Sure sounds like we're not getting saved. So that that's one of those things where if you're not reading that carefully, it's you got to grab a hold of it. There's these little nuggets of wisdom and these constant reminders that being a follower of Jesus Christ is not easy. It's the one who endures till the end that will be saved. Well, I sure want to be saved. So if I am persecuted, if I were to go hypothetically on a mission trip to, I don't know, the Congo or something, right? And some locals get a hold of me, translator shares with them the locals, what my job is, or my purpose there as a mission trip, and they reject that, and they think, oh, we don't do that Christianity, that's devil stuff, right? And they kill me. Well, that's just, there's, in lieu of that persecution, I can't abandon Christ, because if I deny him in front of men, he will, Christ will deny me in front of the Father. So, if persecution comes, no matter what the situation, the context, we got to just keep Pushing towards the kingdom of heaven. That's all there is to it. And it's those who endure till the end that will be saved. Number six, we are not above Jesus. We are below. So we're subordinate to Jesus Christ and his lordship. And our goal is to be like him. Our goal is to be like him. We can't be him exactly. And I think it's Peter, Paul, and John they all indicate in some sense that everyone will continue to struggle with sin. So just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you don't stop struggling against sin. And there's ver there's verses that specifically tackle that. You know, for example, the Apostle John writes, I think this is 1 John, forgive me, the content is 100% accurate, the exact Bible verses, I, I just it's slipping my mind right now. I'm pretty sure it's in 1 John, which is writings by the Apostle John. He says, if we deny that there is sin in us, we deceive ourselves. So John's letting us know, like, hey, everybody's got sin. And to act as if we don't would only be deceiving ourselves. Right? That makes, that's, that makes us a liar. And I'm pretty sure liar is the word that he's using. I use the word deceive because I'm trying to put it gently. But he basically calls us liars. If anybody says they don't have sin, they are a liar. And the truth is not in them. So we can't actually be Jesus, but our goal is to strive. And that's what it means to carry your cross, to struggle against our sinful nature, to live a life of constant repentance, and to focus on the process of justification and sanctification and glorification for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's see what the commentaries say. The following information was taken from the commentary of Theophilact of Orid, an archbishop and scholar. He also wants the disciples to be wise, so that you might not imagine hearing them referred to as sheep, that a Christian might be foolish. Christ says that he must also be wise, knowing how to act when surrounded by enemies. For just as the serpent allows all the rest of his body to be stuck, but guards its head, so let the Christian give all of his belongings and even his body to those who would strike it, but let him guard his head, which is Christ and faith in him. 
And just as the serpent squeezes through a narrow hole and shed its excuse me and sheds its old skin, so too let us traverse the narrow way and shed the old man. But since a serpent is also poisonous, he commands us to be innocent, that is, sincere, guileless, and harmless as doves. For when the offspring of doves are taken from them, and they are driven away, they fly back again to be with their masters. But wise then as the serpents, lest ye be tricked in this life, but be blameless in all your ways. So I don't know if that can be any more brilliantly put. I really don't have anything to comment. It's straightforward. It's perfectly articulated. We are called to have the wisdom of a, of a serpent, let's say, and the innocence of a dove. It's perfectly straightforward. Harmlessness, too. We're not supposed to hurt anybody. If somebody hurts us, we're, that's where we need to utilize. If persecution comes towards us, that's when we need to utilize wisdom to traverse those waters. But we're to remain innocent. you got to understand that we're going to be held accountable as Christians for our actions. So if, in fact, we are persecuted, if we don't respond the way we're supposed to, we're going to be in trouble because we're not representing Christ properly. So the wisdom of a serpent, but the innocence of a dove. You can't, there's nothing that we should do that can, that should cause us to be considered guilty in the eyes of those who need Christ. There must be guiltlessness. There must be harmlessness for those who are from the outside of the household of faith looking in. Not to mention we're supposed to present the bride of Christ blameless, spotless, and sanctified for the great wedding feast and the great banquet, right? The following information was taken from a commentary of Remigius of Reims. He was an archbishop of the church. And the reward is not for those that begin, but for those that bring to an end. That is, he who shall not let go the commands of the faith, nor fall away in persecution, shall be saved. He shall receive the reward of the heavenly kingdom for his earthly persecutions. And note that the end does not always mean destruction, but sometimes perfection. As in that Christ is the end of the law. So the sense here may be whosoever shall endure till the end, that is, in Christ. Now, the end of the law, yes, from the standpoint of, this is where we have to clarify people's writings because people misunderstand Paul. And if they don't know what Remigius of Reims is talking about, they'll misunderstand that as well. Christ is the end of the 613 Mosaic laws and that then we're now under the under grace. And the laws that we are under are the law of Christ, which is faith, morality, and love. And then you've got the law of liberty, which is to do what you should do rather than what you want to. So there's still laws we're under, and also we still have to obey the Ten Commandments, right? It's all important stuff. So you can't say Christ is the end of the law, and then just... not. I'm not criticizing Remigius of Reims, but let's say... The Protestants, when you say on stage in the pulpit on a Sunday, you're not under the law, and then you don't offer any expanded articulation as to what exactly that means, you're just going to deceive people and make them think that they don't have to obey the Bible, which is, it's a pit. That is a psychological and spiritual pitfall that you can just slide right into if preachers don't represent Scripture well. So I thought today was pretty straightforward. You know, Christ is warning his apostles, and mentally preparing them for what they may encounter. He doesn't want them to think it's an easy road. He wants to, He's giving them a heads up, hey, persecution's going to come, so mentally prepare yourself. Now, my question is, why should we think that it would be any different for us, no matter what year it is? 
And it, whether there is persecution or not persecution is besides the point. Because being a Christian is in fact a call to difficulty and struggle. Because we're supposed to carry our cross, we're, to, we're supposed to follow Christ, and we're supposed to minister to those around us. So we're to offer the same words of life that was given to the apostles and the words of eternal life that are given to Christians, we're supposed to give that to others. We're supposed to offer them the words of eternal life and the bread of life, which is Christ in Scripture. We should help urge others towards repentance along with ourselves. It's a continual state. Some people may not want to hear about repentance, and they, they want to think that they're in fact good. Right, which leads to deceiving themselves because we know, based on Scripture, only God is good. And that's Mark 10, 18. So it's hard to get somebody to understand the importance of repentance when they think they're good and they think they're righteous. It's just a very difficult thing. But nonetheless, like Thomas St. Thomas Aquinas says, love is to will the good of another. So we still must urge them towards goodness and repentance towards Christ so that they may have eternal life, persecution or not. That's independent. That is a fundamental axiom that has to stay with us to will the good of another regardless if that's in the face of persecution or not. We want every soul salvaged in the kingdom of heaven, period. Whether there are enemies or not, and we should pray for them and represent Christ well. The main takeaway for today, since we are not persecuted in the U.S., thank God, is instruction, I, this is my opinion, of course, is instruction to be wise as serpents but innocent as doves. I think all that's the probably the most important takeaway from today as Christians. If you hold a nugget from today, let it be that. Be wise as serpent but innocent as doves. This is the perfect balance for a Christian, the balance between wisdom and innocence. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.